This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. We've got a lot to get to on the podcast as, look, SMU is back in the Lloyd All Sports Center meeting as a football team on Thursday night. So really, preparations for the 2020 season have already begun. We've got to go over SMU hiring Garrett Riley as its next offensive coordinator and also tweaking the staff and promoting A.J. Ricker to co-offensive coordinator. And then we're going to kind of set the table for the rest of the spring. What's next for SMU football on the recruiting trail, as well as taking a look at SMU basketball coming off of their loss to Houston uh, on Wednesday night on the road and in a, in a, in a matchup where I thought that SMU wasn't facing last year's Houston team by any means, but they still lost on the road in a, I, I think kind of a not impressive fashion. Uh, that game was there for the taking, but SMU just couldn't get it done. Look, let's start with what's important though. SMU hires Garrett Riley, the Appalachian state running backs coach as its next offensive coordinator. He was actually set to be promoted as offensive coordinator uh, for the Mountaineers after uh, calling plays in the bowl game in the win over UAB in the lending uh, in the um, uh, RNL Carriers uh, Bowl in New Orleans, where App State racked up over 250 yards rushing, over 400 total yards, and they got the win in that one. He did a very nice job calling plays for App State since the departure of, of, uh, of uh, Coach Drink over to uh, Missouri. So. SMU gets its offensive coordinator. What do they get? They're getting a 30-year-old former uh, Kansas and East Carolina assistant as well. Uh, he is the brother of Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley and, and somebody that right now is on the rise in coaching circles. And when I talked up to you guys, with you guys about Garrett Riley on the board when we broke that his name was emerging in the search uh, back on Saturday... It, it was a it, it was a name that certainly fit what at least I had kind of thought going in that SMU would want to target. Somebody who's young, up and coming, who would be around for a bit. Somebody who's had position coach experience elsewhere. He's had limited play calling experience. Sonny Dykes did tell me that he did call plays at Kansas when he was the quarterback's coach. And you saw Kansas have a lot of success there with their quarterbacks when that was the case. That whole situation was kind of a, as Coach Dykes put it, kind of a nightmare from what everyone had told him. The way Garrett Riley handled himself during that time was something that really stood out to a lot of people when Coach Dykes was talking with people around the coaching circles and around Riley and around that program. He then uh, went off to App State, and, and in the one season there, they had a really productive group of running backs. Now, look, App State has always been very strong in running the football, especially the last four years. And uh, so I don't think Riley came in and necessarily turned it around or did anything like that. But 
He's somebody that has coached multiple positions. He's coached wide receivers. He's coached tight ends. He's coached fullbacks. He's coached quarterbacks. He's coached running backs. So he has a really strong understanding of an offense as a whole. And I think when you look at some coaches, and there's there's kind of two paths to being an offensive coordinator, in my opinion. You can be a quarterback's coach, and you can be a GA for a quarterback's coach, and then eventually you get your shot at your running your own room as a quarterback's coach, and then you move up to OC, and then you eventually move up the ranks as an offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. Then there's the other one where you kind of bounce around and you get to work with all these different positions, and you piece together this view on how to run an offense and how to have a room that is, is well-connected and is put together so that when you're an offensive coordinator, then you understand what for the most part everyone on the offense is going through whether you've whether you played let's say offensive line and then you coached other positions or whether you played receiver and then you get to coach running backs or or quarterbacks like Rashad Samples was a receiver he got to work with the running backs a little bit this year so you kind of get this understanding of just an overall view of an offense and and how from a coaching perspective things can can go and and what's the best way to communicate with all these different different positions since instead of being kind of in a tunnel and being a quarterback GA and working with the OC as 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 his GA and then becoming your own quarterback's coach and then all of that you have an, a kind of a whole understanding and so I always thought Sonny Dykes would go with somebody who maybe wasn't a wasn't a, a true quarterbacks coach. And I know Garrett has that experience coaching quarterbacks at Kansas, but I, I felt like one thing Sonny has done with this coaching staff is he's always wanted to try to bring in what he feels is the best coaches available to for them to gain something, for them to be able to add something new to the offense. And so he brings in Garrett Riley, who's a former quarterback in college, um, at both Texas Tech and and SFA, and then had a brief stint at quarterbacks coach at Kansas, and then he has all the other experience coaching positions um, around college football, and I and I felt like he would kind of make go this route just because of the research he puts into it. Because and if you if you kept up on Pony Stampede, we reported some of the other candidates that it interviewed, and it ranged from anywhere from a rather well known name and Major Applewhite to somebody who was connected to Sonny uh, in Rob Likens and, and some of these other coaches that have been around. But the thing that I think we've learned from this coaching search for Sonny Dykes is it's always going to be what, what can you gain the most from when you make this hire? So in my opinion, if you hire Rob Likens, you hire somebody that has experience, but you don't hire anyone that I think is going to wow anyone as a recruiter is going to make a splash and is going to elevate your staff from from a, a huge level. And, and maybe Rob would have wanted to run his own show as well. So that's something to it. I know that Sonny Dykes wanted it to be a more collaborative effort when putting together this offense. And, and that's what I think you saw with Garrett Riley being the hire. With Major Applewhite, you could have seen somebody that wanted to run his own system, wanted to start building his brand back up after spending time as an analyst at Alabama, putting himself in position to get that next head coaching job and move on. Garrett is somebody that trusts Sonny Dykes, I think. Obviously, he's agreed to come over to SMU. But from a from a larger base, Lincoln Riley was on staff with Sonny Dykes um, at, at uh, Texas Tech. 
And so they got to know each other, you know, kind of there. The relationship with the family goes back a while. And just from from everything I heard leading up to it, somebody that came highly recommended to Sonny Dykes. He felt comfortable after talking with him. He, he had researched the offense a lot. He knew what SMU had coming back. He knew what they had in Shane Bouchelle. And a lot of the coaches on the staff also knew Garrett from their time at Kansas or different stops along the way or hearing about him from other coaches. So overall, I think you get somebody that is is on is trending up in the coaching world, is um, is able to grow and develop. He's going to call the plays, but he also has a lot of help. Um, he's going to have AJ AJ Ricker being the co-offensive coordinator with him who's going to kind of take more of a run game coordinator part of it. They're going to work on it all together. And I think that's something that Sonny Dykes really wanted to bring in. He wanted a more collaborative effort offensively. It was Lash's offense last year. There were some air raid concepts, passing the ball sprinkled in. But overall, that was Lashley's offense. He ran the show. And this will be a much better collaborative effort as SMU looks to just be a little bit more consistent in certain areas. From third down defense or third down offense to red zone offense to throwing the ball more consistently, less three and outs. All of those things are what Sonny Dykes wants to identify wants to fix and has identified as areas to fix in this offense. And so you'll see that I think be kind of the focus with Garrett Riley and now this entire offensive staff going forward. Also, SMU promoted AJ Ricker, like I mentioned, to a co- to co-offensive coordinator. He had a few Power Five offers to to mull over and ultimately AJ Ricker decided to stay at SMU he loves what what is going on at SMU there's a lot of positivity around the program coming off of that 10 win season he's got a big offensive line class coming in he's in Texas for the first time as a coach he's from spring Texas he's just down the road from from family that's down there so overall this was a real natural decision for him to stay he gets the title bump that I think is is just a positive for him, and he gets a raise too. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys; so he'll get a raise out of this for sure, and and kind of bump bump him near to that that uh, coordinator level of what you know SMU has been paying their their coordinator. So a great move for him, and um, you know he's somebody that I think Sonny Dykes really trusts. After this year, seeing what the offensive line did, they still need to be more consistent in the run game. But for as many times as SMU threw the football this year. Only allowed six sacks on the season. Well-deserved raise. He was sought after by multiple programs at the Power 5 level. And he turned him down to stay at SMU. So a big deal. And also, he's a rising, you know, I think, strong recruiter on the staff as well. He signed seven offensive linemen. Got all of them to sign early. Some of them had some Power 5 opportunities come on late. And they even added junior college lineman Dimitri Jordan late to the picture and you figured okay somebody's going to drop off they're going to see seven offensive linemen and they're going to kind of freak out a little bit that wasn't the case and um you know smu heck of a job managing the whole thing and then on the other side of the ball kevin kane we reported he turned down the defense the uh, linebackers coach job at texas to remain at smu his contract will get a little bit of a tweak as well but overall um, Sonny Dykes and, the, and this staff is kind of rolling right now. You saw Rhett Lashley walk out the door, but overall, everybody's staying put. Everybody's ready for a big 2020 season, and uh, that planning began on um, Thursday night, of course, uh, when the team and the coaches got all back together for the first time uh, as a staff. So 
it, a lot of positivity around the program right now uh, from, from a coaching staff perspective, from a recruiting perspective. All of those things are all, go- are all going really well. And I'll drop one more note. Randall Joyner had a lot of interest from Texas to, to fill that open defensive line spot at Texas, and, and he's not taking an interview with it as well. So a um, lot of credit to, to Sonny Dykes for what he's built keeping this thing intact and it's kind of rare after a 10 win season to see it. So a lot of positivity on all that. Can't stress that enough. And uh, I I think the coaching carousel for SMU is, is, is finally over from what it, from what it sounds like with that. Think what we'll do is we're going to take a quick break. We'll set the table for what's next as SMU hits the recruiting trail. They got some official visitors coming in this weekend, and then we'll have uh, more uh, over the next couple weekends ahead of, the National Signing Day in February, and then uh, we'll I'll share some brief thoughts on SME basketball's um, loss to Houston on Wednesday night. So we'll be right back with more of the Pony Stampede podcast right after this. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, guys, you can subscribe to Pony Stampede for just a dollar for your first month right now. So I highly encourage you guys to take advantage of that. We've had a lot of great content on the site. It's been a nice start to the 2020 uh, year for us, and uh, so we appreciate you guys jumping on board with that offer and and giving us a try. Again, just a dollar for your first month. SMU is set to host two official visitors on campus uh, this weekend. One of them, junior college defensive lineman and junior Aho, who tweeted out that he's hitting campus for his official visit. He's formerly a Nebraska commit, committed in late November, only to back off in uh, during the early signing period. Um, from what I heard, that he just couldn't get into school uh, at the mid mid break, and so Nebraska dropped him, and and SMU stayed on him, trying to get him in in May, bring him in, and and get him on board. If you've been following him on Twitter, uh, he's at about six three two fifty five. He clocked a four five nine laser time out in LA working with his trainer and uh that's uh that's serious stuff right there that that is not uh, as as a big man that is not easy to do uh he had a fairly productive first year of football he's over here from France originally so he's he's still adjusting but he's a four for three guy that they could theoretically redshirt or he could come in get in with Kaz over the summer and really turn some heads and earn some playing time. But uh, not many guys like him grow on trees. And then SMU will have another official visitor on campus as well. But that's for our VIP subscribers and more of the, uh, an under-the-radar type of prospect that Sonny Dykes and his staff are hosting. Uh, so we've got more information on that on Pony Stampede. But somebody that really came on strong as a senior that they're uh, evaluating as, as somebody to potentially bring on board. Now, what's next? SMU has six spots, six initial counters left. What does that mean? What it, what it means is they have six guys that they could sign in the, in the February signing period, and those would be initial counters. And so the thing about that is, is SMU always wants the flexibility, okay? So Savion Williams is somebody that they've got a spot reserved for. If he wanted in, he could have one. Junior Ajo is another one. And they're eyeing a couple other guys late here uh, as they go down the stretch uh, for for potential offers and uh, to push for as well. So keep in mind of that counter thing doesn't necessarily mean there's twenty five there's twenty five total spots. You know SMU has has uh, twelve guys signed, two committed, 
and uh, one of those uh, one of those will for sure be a gray shirt and Jay Bell. So he'll count uh, forward, um, or he'll count. I forget how he'll count, but anyway, he'll he'll count forward. I think um, the way it'll work in the in the counter part of it. So that's something to keep in mind. Is is it's kind of a, a weird numbers crunch uh, for SMU. And then they do want to add somebody like a transfer running back for sure to shore up the room. And then they did add line, uh, safety Ty DeArmond, who transferred back to the Dallas-Fort Worth area after his freshman season at Oklahoma. Somebody that was super talented as a ball player at Arlington Bowie. His dad's a local head coach. So that's something that could help with you know local recruiting ties as well for SMU and, and a player that they're really excited about. And he got in in uh, January uh, in time for school as well. So he's already on campus and transferred in. And what what's what's going to happen is is there are guys that will be initial counters. So players like, um, you know, if they sign Junior Ajo, he'd be an initial counter. Savion Williams, the Marshall wide receiver, he'd be an initial, an initial counter. And then from there, um, you know, how do they work out how the transfers are viewed. So if somebody came in and was in town and around and working around the program over the summer, would he be, you know, somebody that they'd say, okay, all right, well, let's push him towards August and try to make him count forward uh, for the 2021 class and, and try to give them some flexibility as far as, um, you know, putting, putting those guys in, in positions where, you know, again, it gives them that flexibility where they could bring in a Richard McBride or they could bring in, guys like that late in the process or Brandon Stevens and count them forward. So it's a weird numbers crunch that SMU is navigating, but overall, I mean, they, they, um, you know, really have, have done a nice job setting the table, uh, for their spring. We'll keep you guys up to date on the, on more official visitors as they'll roll in for S for SMU, um, later, uh, this month as, as those begin continue to get set and then junior days will start popping up and juniors will start visiting campus and all of that. So there'll be plenty more recruiting coverage for, for SMU and kind of what's next. And then before you guys know it, spring ball will be around the corner. Uh, the SMU coaching staff did hit the recruiting trail. Garrett Riley was out and about. He visited four-star quarterback Preston Stone with Sonny Dykes. His first stop of the day, able to get by uh, Dallas uh, uh, Parish Episcopal and, and check in on the new SMU commit. Now, they, they can't talk to him from what I understand. I think that that's the timing because he's still a junior, but uh, they, the first stop they made was to you know check in on him and, and uh, say hello through his head coach and all of those things. So um, SMU back on the recruiting trail. Keep it locked on Pony Stampede for more. And, and you can find out where else Garrett Riley went on his first day by subscribing to Pony Stampede. That's on our board as well as uh, an update on one of SMU's players that might not be returning. So if you want to find out who that is, you can go to uh, PonyStampede.com as well. Want to shift gears and talk a little bit about basketball. Look, SMU, they go on the road at Houston, and I thought they played fairly well in terms of keeping the game competitive, you know, uh, battling against a Houston team that that I would say is is more talented than SMU at this point. Um, and, and that's not, you know, anything, um, you know, that's not a stretch. SMU lost those 71-62. And really, SMU, when they needed rebounds, when they needed 
to pull out of what wasn't a tailspin, but when they needed stops and they needed rebounds the most, they couldn't get them. That gave Houston opportunities down the stretch to just kind of, you know, keep jumping back up by 10 or keep jumping back up by eight. And then eventually it was, it was, it was too little too late and SMU wasn't able to, to get it done. It's a, it's a really tough loss for SMU um, because look, they need, if, if there's any chance outside of winning the AAC tournament, that they're going to make, you know, postseason play in general, they have to start winning a game or two like this. Then you've got Memphis and Wichita State, and and you've really got a stretch here for SMU where it's 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 do or die. I mean, you've got to start winning some of these games in an AAC league that really has been kind of all over the place. Tomorrow, if you're listening to this, I recorded this on Friday. SMU faces Temple at seven o'clock. On ESPNU, then they head to East Car- or they host East Carolina on Wednesday in Dallas, where they'll try to rebound from the loss that they uh, suffered uh, on the road at ECU just really um, 11 days prior to that matchup. And then they got Memphis and Cincinnati and an improved Tulane team. So it, it's this is a key stretch right here for SMU. They have to put together some wins uh, if they're going to even think about a potential. Um, potential postseason play and and more specifically at this point the NIT so um, I I think it it is um, it's a situation where they you can see that there's talent there but right now they're just not executing the little things well enough to give them a serious chance to win some of these games against better teams so they've got to pull it together if they're going to be able to uh, make the NIT at this point and um We'll see where it goes from here. But we'll have all of your coverage of SMU Temple on Saturday night as they'll look to uh, you know, bounce back from, from that game uh, at Houston. So with that, guys, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. We'll have more next week for you guys as we'll uh, talk more about how the recruiting weekend went and how SMU basketball fared against Temple on Saturday night. So hope you guys enjoyed this pod and hope everyone has a great weekend.